The Career Establishment's Talent Talk Asia podcast is brought to you in partnership with Vincere, the all-in-one CRM for ambitious recruitment businesses. Founded by Asia-based recruiters back in 2012, over a thousand recruitment companies choose Vincere to accelerate their growth. Whether your business is contract, temp, executive search or perm, if you're looking for a new breed of tech partner, talk to Vincere. Visit vincere.com io forward slash talent talk asia for an exclusive offer for all listeners of this podcast hi i'm andrea ross your host and in this series we feature some of the most successful talents from across the region to discuss the forces opportunities and challenges that are shaping the corporate landscape if you're keen to be a guest on the show then please reach out Andrew Ross here, your host at Talent Talk Asia. Gong Si Fai Chai to all those listeners out there that celebrate Lunar New Year and here's to a cracker of a year ahead. Now, today's guest is Sean Anderson, CEO and founder of Hoxo Media, which provides inbound marketing solutions to recruitment businesses around the world. He's also the host for a popular podcast, The Rad Podcast, so do check it out, where he interviews recruitment leaders across the globe. Now, we also have the same sponsor, Vincere, which is, as you know, the number one CRM system in the world. So without Vinny, we both couldn't do what we do. So thank you so much, Eloise and Bernie. Now, this is what is in store for you today. What my business does effectively is help, help recruiters win business through content, okay? So I truly believe that in 2021 and beyond, content is just a huge part of a recruiter's job. Our guest will provide you with bags of free advice on how to turn your social media strategy around and highlights the benefits to recruitment businesses focusing on social media to engage their customer base. There are tons of entertaining stories from Sean and the chance to donate your hard-earned cash to provide laptops to kids to improve their homeschool learning. Enjoy the show. Hey, Sean, welcome to the show. Thank you. Glad to be here. I know it's um we don't normally invite people on the show that are actually based in the UK because it's obviously Talent Talk Asia. But if I hear your name anymore in the last few months, I was just like, oh my god! If I hear him his name again, god damn it! So I had to do a little bit of a nosy on LinkedIn and find out who the hell was this guy that also had a podcast. And then I realised that you were sponsored by the same people that I'm sponsored in Cherry. So I was like, oh. Yeah. We must talk. Um, so I I really wanted to get to know, obviously, everything you're doing now with Hoxo Media, because I think that's probably the most relevant thing to my listeners, because I've got a few clients that use you out here. Um, mm. But I think it'd be really good for listeners, listeners to understand a little bit of where you came from, because I think yeah, that's sure. quite helpful when you give them advice on how to have a fantastic brand um, for the recruitment firm. So take me all the way back to when you, you studied you studied PE, right? You studied physical education, teaching and coaching at Sheffield. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Um, and then you, and then you, then you, oh, where are we? You spent a couple of years as a teacher, different, yep. before moving yep. overseas. So what yep. was the motivation to teach? Um, and then what sort of prompted you to move move away from the UK? Yeah, so real long story short, I, I, I did a degree in sports development and coaching, which is, it's not a PE teacher degree, but it's very similarly aligned. And then I went into sales straight after uni. Um, I did six months of knocking on doors. Do you know the whole, the guys oh. who knock on your doors and sell charities or electricity? Oh man, that's hard. Was that yeah, pretty self-destroying? Uh, well, it's the worst job ever, but it was, it was cash. <laughs> it was it was 100% commission, oh. walking around South, South Yorkshire in the pissing rain in, oh. in like, <laughs> I bet you didn't see any sun. I bet you were blue by the end pretty, of it. I was good at it though. I mean, I was, I was, I was like, I won, a, I won an award. They flew me out to Germany. I built this team of like 15 people. But my mate, my mate who did the same degree actually started teaching uh, as a supply teacher. So it got to like a the six month mark. And I mean, it was, it was a hundred percent commission, right? So I'd get in the office, I, we'd train our teams from 10 o'clock till 12. And then we'd get in a car, drive to like a council estate an hour away. And then we'd start knocking on doors from about 12, one o'clock onwards. Cool. Anyway, this one day we did, we'd had a bit of a delay. I think we'd hit traffic and it was about end of November, early December. The weather was horrendous. 
And my best mate, my business partner now, was uh, right. teaching. So, and he rang me up. It was quarter past three and he was leaving school. And he'd just been paid like 80 <laughs> quid. He'd just been paid 80 pound. And I'd not knocked on the first door yet. And I'd not been paid. And I was like, what the fuck am I doing? I said to myself, sorry if, if you don't like swearing on this show, but I, I dropped the other one. <laughs> yeah, um, I think it's going to go that way, isn't it? Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm sure I was, everyone I really, out in Asia would be fine with that. Don't worry. I was really disappointed with uh, my, my life on that day. And then, so what I did was I went and became a, I quit the job, had my Christmas, January got myself a job as a supply teacher because you could with my degree. And then I went around schools for um, about six months before one school took me in and then said, we will train, we'll pay you to get the final year qualification to be oh, a teacher. Wow. So then, so I did that. Then at the end of that year, I said, I want to go traveling. But then I was like, I'm not fully qualified. So I did another year. And then me and the same guy, Amma, and another mate of mine went traveling at the end of that newly qualified teacher year so I did like two and a half three years teaching and then but I was 24 I was younger I was closer in age to the kids than a lot of the staff and I didn't know it, it wasn't something I was like aspirationally wanted to do I loved mm. it at the time I mean I was kicking a football around going to the golf yeah, club in ideal. the summer it was great yeah. um I had loads of time on my hands but I had this kind of the one thing about the sales job even if it was absolutely demoralizing I had this like entrepreneurial vibe where I could I knew if I did well I could earn more money and I really missed it when I was a teacher so when we got to Australia we went traveling around Asia spent all of our money like well, I literally had two thousand pound in the bank went away came back two years later so I did all, I did all right with that um but in Asia I, I did the whole Thailand um Laos Cambodia Singapore are you Malaysia. backpacked yeah did the whole thing got to yeah. Melbourne got to Melbourne with the plan of backpacking around uh, and finding where we wanted to live. But when we got to Melbourne, we realized we just had no more energy for traveling. I hated living out of a backpack. I, I, I had no money left. Yeah, I hear so, that a lot when people land in Melbourne. For Sydney, yeah. it's a little bit different. But I think when people land in Melbourne, they find it quite homey. And everyone just tends to sort of stay a bit more. Well, yeah, it was March. The weather wasn't particularly nice. Um, it was a bit gray. It wasn't like you didn't, you didn't get that vibe. You wanted to go and chill on a beach and drink. We were just like, yeah, we've lost UK money. weather we've got in Melbourne, money. isn't it? <laughs> Yeah, it's like, UK no weather, Melbourne. Pretty much. I was like, I've got no money. I need to do something. So I got a job in, a, in the Amy Park Stadium, which is the, the, where the Melbourne Rebels and, you know, there's football and rugby playing. I was doing like corporate events and, you know, I was barista in the day. I was doing all sorts of jobs. And then my mate got a job at Randstad. Uh, but he got a, a $50,000 a year salary on a, with a four-year visa to live in Australia. Bloody hell. Is this the mate that you copied for the teacher thing as well? No, it was the other one. So there was oh, three was the of them. Yeah, but he. <laughs> so, so a bit he, of a trend here. Yeah. So he got the job, and we were like, "You know, that sounds pretty cool." Um, I was like, "I reckon I could do that." Now, if you, you if you look at my LinkedIn, it actually says I was a recruiter before teacher, which is technically not. I mean, it's not not true. But I basically worked for a supply teaching agency, and they basically figured. I figured out that I was getting paid more. This was back in the teaching days. I was getting paid yeah. more by the by the small agency than the big agency. And the, the right. schools were paying, and the schools were paying less to get me in. So I used to go in via the big agency and basically give my card of the little agency at the end of the day and go, "If you want me back, like phone them because oh, you're going to pay." Got it. Nice. And what happened was I brought about fifty schools over. <laughs> um, so this guy used to basically pay me to every time I did it. And if and if there was no um, school work for me, he would take me on the road to meet schools. So I kind of. I had this like half sales role for him because I was mm. good. Um, anyway, he said to get the job in Melbourne, he basically backed me and said I was a recruiter. I had six months experience, which <laughs> technically didn't, but, but um, no one needs to know that now. No, anyway, you're all right now. Um, so yeah, so I, I got myself a job at Randstad as well. I BD'd myself through, I rang up every company in Melbourne to get a job. And then I was there for 18 months, I think. Okay. Just over. Do, doing what? Um, so I was in the IT division, um, recruiting contracts into the well, we originally in the IT division then they, they won the Victorian government tender to become the supplier on the panel of suppliers so I got put right. in this government team and uh, yeah I was a contract recruiter doing project management business analysis um, do you like I was, it? I was good yeah I mean the funny thing in Australia was because I was not allowed to teach my qualification as a teacher wasn't valid over there I didn't have an option oh right I always had this I always had this thing like I'm doing it because I'm here so I didn't really make much money because I did like I had 28 contractors running, but because we're on this government contract, there was no like the fees were so yes, low. I, I think right. I had no commission, so I was like, um, 
I kind of, I used to go on nights out and I'd tell girls that I was a school teacher that worked in recruitment and they'd be like, what? I was kind of like, I was a bit, I, was a, I wasn't very proud of the, of the recruitment job. Um, was that, was that the actual job or was it the environment? What was, what was it like working at Randstad? You've yeah, cool. got to be careful now just in case they're one of your clients, don't you? No, no, no. They, they were great. They were, I was on a floor with about 150 people. It was all similar age people. You know, the Rialto Towers, a fantastic office building. There was a bar here in Grace at the bottom. It was really sociable. You know, I didn't, I didn't really... I, whenever the weather was nice out the window, I'd be like, I used to kick a football and play golf. And now I'm sat with a headset on. And I was like, mm. this, I had this kind of constant battle with myself. I think the company and everything around me that I couldn't complain. It was, it was great. Um, so it was more of an internal battle. Um, anyway, fast forward to the middle of 2012 and, and I decided that it was that point where I was like, I'm either going to commit to being in Australia now or go home. And right. I missed home. I didn't, I didn't leave England to, to live abroad forever. I wanted to go and travel. So I decided to move back. And again, the, the two mates that I had came with me and we, we, um, we moved back to London and well, we moved to London. I'd only like been to London once before then, um, in 2012, right in the middle of the Olympics. Ah, um, okay. And I joined a firm called Venquist, who were like the opposite of Ransad. There's like seven people in the business. Um, and I was their first contract recruiter in the insurance division. And, and that was a real awakening. So insurance. because I could, Gosh. because I could teach again, I was like, Oh, what do I do? But then I was like, I want to live in London. And when you look at the TES, which is the teaching job board, PE teaching is like the most competitive. Is it? See, like I would have had to move to like the tip of Scotland or Wales or whatever to get a job in teaching. And I was like, I'm actually quite good at recruitment. I did well. So I was like, what I'll do, I'll get a job in London. I'll get the recruitment job. And if I'm not happy, then I can, you know, find my feet in London. Yeah. And I remember the first month in this job in in London, I was like, what have I done? I was in this tiny office. It was like a little Where Regis. Where was it? Where in London Trafalgar, was it? Trafalgar Square. Opposite oh, oh, that's all right. Yeah, I mean, the first few days, first few days was amazing. I'm there, you know, the parade was going around with like Anthony Joshua on it and, you know, London banners of, of the British flag. And I was like, wow. But then when all that died down at the end of September and it was like, you know, get Cold. on the phone. Yeah. And get on the phone. And I was used to 150 people in a, in a floor in Melbourne and there's six, seven people. It's <laughs> deadly quiet. Yeah, it sounds pretty depressing, actually. Yeah, <laughs> and then you would have been like, getting into then, September, October, where it would have been Baltic and dark exactly. at four o'clock. And I lived in it. I lived in this flat in Melbourne, which was incredible. We had like a gym on the top floor with a swimming pool. I had a pool table in the lounge. Like it was just, I don't know how we afforded it, but the salaries were good. The rent was cheap. I'm yeah. living in this pretty poxy flat in Clapham, which was yeah, like- Yeah, so I would be thinking, like, what the hell? Yeah, it was costing like six, 60% of my salary just to live there. And I remember- it was really depressed. I was really depressed. I was like, I don't know what to do, whether to go out to teaching. And I phoned one of my old teaching colleagues and I said, look, what's life like now? Like about three years later and nothing had changed. Like anything. Right. When I spoke to him, right. Not one thing in his life apart from, I think he'd, I think he'd got a dog or something. And I was like, <laughs> I was just a bit like. So did you hey, just think, well, what, what you were thinking was different actually isn't. And so does yeah, that, yeah. did you just kind of get your head and down like, then? I was like, you know what? I've not really committed to this job. I think I'm good at it. I've got the skills. People think I'm good at it, clearly, because they absolutely like broke down doors to get me in this company. And I was like, you know, what? I'm going to give it a go. I've got, and then I met up with another mate who'd been in recruitment in England, and I'd not met him for few years. And he had like, he was walking around in like designer clothes, had twenty grand saved in his bank, was buying a property, and I was like, which one do I want to be? So it was like October 2012, and I had this like epiphany that like, I'm just going to go for it. And then after that it just went off like I just my life changed so so when I looked at your LinkedIn profile mm. and I've got a, you sort of list all your achievements right it does look pretty impressive is all of it true <laughs> every one of them yeah, <laughs> yeah I've, I've um, so it's got like newcomer of the year and promotion yeah. senior consultant um, um, top biller blah 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 now is that I, w- I was really keen to know is that a common thing in the UK when you brand yourself because out in Asia no one I hardly ever see someone kind of say what their achievements to that level so I, I was kind of keen to see the differences I, d- I think when I start because I started a, me- a marketing agency in 2017 which we'll get to I knew that the obvious thing people would think was you are a shit recruiter who is launching a marketing company. Right, right, okay. So the only reason I wrote that down was to go, hang on a minute, like, I'm not a shit recruiter. I was in right. top five. So you know like, your market, okay. Yeah, okay. I, was like, I'm, I was very, very good. I was like, you know, 
I know I was very good at recruitment, like, but I also knew that I wanted to do something different. And that is something people don't understand. They're like, if you're that good, why would you do something different? So I was like, well, I'm, I'll, I'll prove that to you. Um, but no, my time at Venquist, like I say, once I got over that headache, I was relentless. And I had, uh, you know, I, I earned, I earned 200,000 in my third year in London. I bought myself a property. I was nice. I was living a completely different life. I paid for my parents to travel India for six months. I did things that I never thought were possible. Yeah. It opens up and so much, so much doors a, for people yeah, at a really young age. A, it was an amazing business. So I went from seven people. It was 52 when I left across three, three well, offices. Is it still going now? Yeah, they're a great business. Right. About, I think they're about 80, 80 odd people. So, um, so, so what happened when you're there for four, five, four, well, 4.5 years, then what, when, what was it or when was it that kind of got you to decide, well, actually, I want to do something different because what you're doing different, what you're doing now is really different. So what was that to kind of trigger for you? Well, the original plan was to start Hoxo, the recruitment company, right? Um, right. So okay. It was always, so back in, in, at the end of 2014, I brought in my best mate, the guy who's my business partner, the guy who I talked about was the teacher, right? He was right. working, he, me and him have got like identical backgrounds. Both went from same uni, into teaching, into recruitment, only he went into education recruitment, which was, which was logical. I went into technology recruitment, <laughs> which was completely different. Yeah. So when we got to the, when we, when we, when we left Melbourne, he got a job in education recruitment and I was doing, so the first year or so in London, he was doing like, he was making like 60 grand a year. He was running the office. He was flying and I was like fucking jealous. But then when I started earning ridiculous money, he was like, what are you like? Cause we're both top of our teams, but I'm earning like over double. So that was when we started thinking, you know, you probably need to, if we're going to start a company together, which was always our plan, you're going to, you're going to have to come over and learn my shit because we're not going to start a business doing what you do. Um, so he, I got him a job in 2014 with Venquist and then he headed up a brand new division. And then his father passed away in a tragic accident one night when I was, I was with him at work and he got a call. Um, his dad basically parked the car outside the house, left the handbrake off. And then as it was rolling into a major road, he chased it to stop it. And he stopped the car, but he ended up getting crushed underneath the car. Oh, Jesus. Horrendous, horrendous story, right? That is horrendous. Uh, but when you see your best friend find out that news, mm, and, horrible. you know, we just looked at each other the following few weeks and was like, life's really short. Like we need to do this. Like we're right. Yeah, but that was a pretty big trigger. Yeah. That was a real wake up call. Like 28 years old. Let's just fucking get a plan. So you both so, thought recruitment initially, both of oh, you yeah. thought, thought Hoxo Media would be recruitment, which would be obvious. Yeah. It wasn't yeah. called Hoxo Media. It was called Hoxo and we had Bullhorn. We were ready to go. Like it was a recruitment company, right? So what changed so the following year. So at the end of 2014, we had the, we said, right, two years, we're going to start a company. End of 2015, we both bought properties and we were like, right, 2016 is the year to save the money to then start Hoxo. Well, Hoxo became the name towards the back end of 2016. Why Hoxo? Um, is that, should I know that? Is that? Uh, yeah, no, it doesn't mean. Well, Venquist was a one, was a made up word that made, that meant nothing, right? And okay, when you, okay. When you put it into Google, it came straight to the top, quite powerful. So I was like, I want to do the same. So I, we, okay. we came up with, we came up with Noxo originally, N-O-X-O, and we were loving it. We bought the domains and then, if you Google it on a, on a, on the urban dictionary, it comes up as a homosexual mammal. So I was like, mm, probably not the best start. to. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Maybe not a good idea. Yeah, oh, that's so, brilliant. So, that's brilliant. So, we, so we, we came up with Hoxo and everyone like associated it to Hoxton in Shoreditch and it was cool. And okay. Yeah. So, so anyway, we had it's Hoxo, memorable. the recruitment company planned. So if I look back at 2016, it was an interesting year because I, I was basically running the UK contract business. I had about 20 people in the team um, I wasn't doing much billing. I was basically just hiring recruiters and training all day and doing some high level business development. Um, so as it got closer to the, the, the reality of starting a recruitment company, I probably start, I started to think, fucking hell, I'm going to be calling candidates again, like from scratch. It, de yeah. it definitely started to question yeah, whether I, I different role. It. Yeah. Yeah. But also I was really interested in how we were doing what we were doing. So I was responsible for getting like 20 people up on a floor to stand up and do 10 calls before 10 to hiring managers in the morning. And I was a bit like, I just don't believe it. I think it's, I think it's so old school because we don't get through to anyone half the time. Yeah. Yeah. It's Straight just like, like a, some a policy that someone of, put in years ago. Right. But it actually, yeah. So, yeah. So I was watching YouTube. I was obsessed with things like YouTube and Instagram in my personal life. And I found that there was guys getting, 40, 50, 100,000 views on a video in, in 10 minutes. And I was like, why can't we do something like that? So anyway, my business partner was like, 
whatever. Like I kept talking about it. And then when I read my restrictive covenant contract, before we quit, we read our contract and we're like, this is a watertight contract. And we really did uh, like, the, we really respected the business. It wasn't like we had any issues. We just wanted right. to be entrepreneurs. So I was like, there's no way I'm going to break that and, and risk my relationship with that company. So I, I, I had this brainwave. What if I produced content like I'd been talking about every day for six months about my market, about insurance, about business transformation? I could interview people. I could do all sorts, but none of that's in my contract. It doesn't say anything about content. It doesn't say anything that people can't watch me. It just says I can't speak mm. to them. Mm. So he was like, you might be onto something, but he, I could see his eyes glaze over when I talked yeah. about it. Like, he's, like, yeah. he's like, you are, and, it's, and it's, a, it's a common thread. I'm an ideas guy and he's like, He'll, if, 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 if he's he'll got any legs, you. he'll ground yeah, the ideas. If he's yeah. got any legs, he'll, he'll help me run it, run with it. But so I went on this journey trying to find a marketing agency that could help me do it. I was like, you know, we've got a bit of cash in the bank. Why don't we get a business behind us? And I just couldn't find anything. There was really? no, business, there was no one out there that I felt. I spoke to a few big so agencies. It was too new, right? Yeah, it was probably well, such early days, was, was it? Doing it. It was people doing it in other sectors. But they didn't understand what I was trying to do. They didn't get the market. They didn't have the price range. I couldn't afford what some of them were charging. And yeah. the ones that were within the price range were just, it just felt so old school and dated what they were approaching. So I was like, nah. So I found someone I knew who I grew up with that was in marketing. And I said, look, will you come and help us out? He said, yeah. So anyway, I brought him in. That was the plan. We had Hoxo. We had it all. We were building the website. We had Bullhorn bought. I'd buy a Vincere now if it was 2021, just so you know. But uh, it was... Uh, <laughs> boom, boom. It was, at the time, it was Bullhorn. Um, Got to get that in there. But, uh, yeah, well done. Well done. That was good. So, but anyway, so just before I'm about to launch, I start telling people what, what I wanted to do. And I spoke to about five or six recruitment owners of a similar age, about 30 years old. They had businesses of one to two years old. And I swear to God, they were all like, we'll buy it. And I was like, buy what? Seriously. They were like, they were like we'll buy what you're going to do if it works. And I was like, <clears throat> okay. So then, <laughs> Shit, I better, I better sort well, that out the, now. The guy next to me that I brought in, I was like, well, why don't we, when I'm, while I'm doing it, why don't, you, why don't we sell your time out to them and you can manage all of our brands at the same time because I've got this vision. So I managed to sell it. Um, I managed to sell about five contracts before I even launched a company that were worth like two grand a month each. So I had like, 12,000 a month recurring revenue before I launched the company. So that's and amazing. That was, and, but that's doing something different. And, and I was like, will I, will I be able to put contract recruitment deals in that fast when I can do that? And I was like, mm, I don't know. So I, we kind so of decided. Doing to, to, for listeners that don't know what at that stage, like what was it you actually providing for those recruitment firms? So as, at the very at beginning, we said, we said, we'll do social media marketing for you. So we will manage your social channels. And at the beginning- As an organization like, we'll... or just, or yeah. individual organization? Organizational, yeah. yeah. So yeah. yeah, so small agencies of like up to 10 staff will, we'll, we'll, you know, that were young and, and knew that social was important. Yeah. You know, we would manage your social. And this was before LinkedIn had any real like value the way it does now. And, and I believed in it. I used to say LinkedIn's the one that will change. But at the time, because it was so dry and there was no video on yeah. there. And you, you know, yeah, it was we, pretty boring, wasn't it? We were yeah. trialing things. We trialed a lot on Instagram, even Snapchat, Facebook. Um, we even ran a campaign that, that had adverts on Tinder for some for one client. Um, <laughs> Different. But, yeah. Um, but it so was social it media. All. Yeah, social media for recruitment companies. And what happened was because we realized we're not going to do recruitment and that we're just not going to have the time. And this was already gaining traction. So we said Hoxo media, Hoxo, mm -hmm. the company, the, the recruitment company is dormant for six months. We'll burn our covenant away doing this. Right. And if, if, if this isn't for us, we know what we're going to do in six months. Right. Time, right? Nice, nice, back then, nice B plan. Yeah. Mm. And then, and then we never went back. Uh, and so that was March, 2017. I launched the recruit, the marketing agency. So four years ago, almost, um, February and so those friends, sorry, the, the, the friends that you brought on, they're still with you today? No, I brought one guy in who stayed with us till 2019 and then he went off and did some other stuff. Right, got it. Um, so, so, tell, so bring me up to date now in regards to kind of the business. I'm obviously, as I said before, I know so many clients that use you here and I've seen, I've seen firsthand the difference that their LinkedIn profiles or their brandings had. And I, I mean, I'd love you to just to talk through, I know you can't give too much away because obviously that's what you're um, getting paid for by the clients, but I could see like a lot more 
sort of personal vulnerable posts by yeah. individuals. No, I give away. So worry, I was kind of keen to know a little bit more about that. I give away loads of stuff for free, like so. Don't worry about that. Um, what my what my business does effectively is help help recruiters win business through content. Okay, so mm-hmm. I truly believe that in twenty twenty one and beyond content is just a huge part of a recruiter's job. Like it's not, uh, it used to be something that was on the side, right? Yeah, like an ad hoc. Yeah. BD, you had candidate attraction, you had your recruitment job and then you had this annoying word for marketing called content where people are like, I used to get it. I used to have my marketing manager at Banquist say, Sean, can you help us with a blog? And I'd be like, I'm on the phone. And I wasn't, yeah, and I you want them to, to do it, but they're not technical yeah. enough to do Whereas, it. So they're always a bit rubbish. I, yeah. But what, what I realized when I launched Hoxo was that if I... The one thing that I think I was good at as a recruiter was, was being honest with people and being genuine with people. So in my first year in London, when everyone, when I launched, when I came back from Australia and I committed to the job, one thing I did when I didn't really understand the market is I spoke about myself quite a lot. And I asked a lot of questions personally to people. So I used to like, we'd have, I'd have great laughs on the phone. And my, I, rem- I remember the rest of my office would be like, does he ever talk about recruitment ever? Like, and I'd, I'd just be like, and it, I used to tell a story about the fact that I lived in Australia and I'm from Manchester and I live in London and blah, 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 blah. And I'd go to the pub on a Friday night and everyone would be like, here he is from Manchester, lived in Australia, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and they just thought, they just thought I was this kind of like self-absorbed character for a bit. I remember it. It was quite a like friction. It was a bit of friction. And I was like, I'll oh, piss off. Anyway, fast forward 12 months when I was billing faster than anyone in the company they were all them, the same people that laughed at me were asking me for five minutes in a room to help them with their, whatever I was doing. And I didn't really know what I was doing. I was like, I'm just doing what you're doing. And, but I did realize that when I then listened to everyone else on the floor, everything was so business. It was all business. Every conversation Mm -hmm. was, they were ringing candidates out of the blue who didn't know them, telling them very little about the opportunities they had and asking the most deep and dark yeah, delving questions about vulnerable questions. Yeah, yeah. Asking questions about people's salary expectations and who their hiring manager's name was and yeah. why they were unhappy. And I was like, yeah, it's too I soon, right? It's just too and soon. Yeah. hundred percent. And also I feel like you, I used to get more from people because I gave more. Like I used to, when I opened up and I had a laugh and I was prepared to say bits about my life, people then opened up back. And that's the northern I, charm though, isn't it? That's the northern yeah. charm. My husband's yeah, from Blackpool. That's why I can say that. You see, I'm, yeah, I'm allowed to say that because I'm married to a northerner. Yeah, perhaps. But yeah. I do think I do think everyone, it, most good recruiters are storytellers. Most good recruiters. It, I always ask yeah. a question to I ask a question to clients. When you're out in front of customers on a scale of one to 10, how much personal like non-recruitment related chat do you have with people how much do you share about your life how much do you find out about their lives yeah top people usually are in the sort of seven eight nines tens number out of ten they they, they build real relationships you know they mm. say my best clients are my mates we go to the pub with blah 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 yeah then i ask the question how much do you share online on linkedin and the, and the answer is usually zero to three so and why like, so why is that? Because I, I notice when, when I do a lot of training or coaching with recruiters here, when I'm banging on, I love, so I'm like you, I absolutely have a huge passion for social media, all the different ways they're doing it now, whether it's, you know, all the different platforms and how people are just doing really innovative things. But when it comes to recruiters, I find this, especially out here, it still hasn't quite caught up, that they haven't quite realised that actually they they have their own individual brand. They think, okay, it's organization. You have your brand and, and what you stand for and your mission and values, whatever. But in terms of their own individual brand, which is obviously to me the most important, there isn't an awful lot of time spent on that. Now, I don't know if that's education or just they don't really know where to start. Yeah, it's both. So I don't know if it's you're both. facing the same in the UK. Is that a common thing? Yeah, yeah, of course it is. Of course it is. Most most people are hearing this phrase personal brand now they don't realize what it is they know they need it and it's frightening and it's and and that's what we do we help with so just to set just to explain it you've got a personal brand anyway right every call you make every meeting you go on every time you sit with anyone in life whether it's at school at home with friends or at work you've got a personal brand your personal brand is the it's the experience skills and and personality you have that Mm -hmm leaves an impression with people right if you don't have a personality that must be really hard to try and make that brand out of someone though mustn't it well you do you just have an awful brand that's it that's the (laughs) truth right Um, but i always used to say to my teams what do you want your clients to think and say about you when you're not in the room like what's the word you would like them to use yeah and the more you if you can visualize that 
that they, there's more chance of you then becoming that. Um, yeah. But when you limit yourself to that being just on the phone and just on a face-to-face meeting, you're basically, everything you're doing is, is based on sheer hours and manpower. And I realized really quickly, probably before most, I don't remember anyone in recruitment doing this when I started in 2017. I realized that by putting the same information online in 10 minutes, I was able to reach hundreds, thousands, multiple yeah. thousands of people yeah. a day with the same thing. Yeah. So I, st- I didn't stop doing the things I was already doing. I just added an extra layer on top. Okay. So, okay. And I suppose when you were then calling clients and candidates, it's just warmer, right? Because they've already oh. maybe seen an article or something you've put on there that resonates with them. But I noticed they're quite personal ones. That's what I was quite interested in, that some well, of yeah, those so are quite personal. Because, because people are people and and you know the, yeah they're the ones you might notice because they're the most different but i have a methodology yeah, that's a good called, thing though i'm saying it positively though yeah. actually because i because yeah, even I now a, i'm t- the fact that i'm talking about it i remember exactly these two posts yeah so i think personal, that's quite interesting i have a methodology called the pvc methodology personal valuable credible right so if you have a mix of content that's about you that's got jack all to do with recruitment but it's about you your life your thoughts your opinions people will start to understand who you are. They'll, they'll start to connect with you. And, and often those pieces of content get the most views, the most engagement on LinkedIn. I did a post about my morning routine last week, got 60,000 views, you know, in, in about four hours. So your, so your morning, morning routine, routine might be quite interesting. Mine will just be getting up, having an espresso and watching the news. See, mine wouldn't be that interesting. I wouldn't get 60,000 views on that, I don't think. <laughs> what was your morning? What was your one? How did you get 60,000? Talk me through that. Coaching provides the space for professionals to take time to hit the pause button, reassess, make decisions, commit to new action and move forward with clarity. To enjoy a 10% discount on our coaching programmes, reach out and quote the word talent. Talent Talk Asia is brought to you in partnership with Vincere, the all-in-one CRM for ambitious recruitment businesses. Visit vincere.io forward slash Asia for an exclusive offer for all listeners of this podcast. Because I basically, because I was personal and vulnerable and I said, I've lost my morning routine. I said, I've been feeling like shit. I've been feeling anxious. I've been waking up. I've been staying in bed an extra hour. I've been telling myself the pandemics, you know, it's dark outside. It's okay. You know, the world's in a pandemic. It's okay. I've been telling myself, I don't have to commute. It's okay. But what actually happens is by the time my day starts, I feel like crap. I feel like I've right. lost the first battle. I've lost right. that first battle with myself. So last week, for the first time in two months, I woke up at seven, well, 6.30. By seven, I was doing 20 minutes of exercise. Then I did 20 minutes of um, writing down my thoughts. And I did 20 minutes of learning and read a book and watched, or watched YouTube or something. And that, that, that was my routine in the first lockdown. Right. Right. So and you missed that. It. You got, you stopped yeah. doing that ritual for yourself. Yeah. And I, but mm. what I did is I explained how I was feeling. I explained what I did. And I just said, I feel better. Like, you know, the moral of the story is winning the first battle of the day can have big impact. And, and 60,000 people saw that. And I'd so feeling many the same. Yeah. I had people say, you've inspired me. I needed this today. Like, you know, what then I, I also think what's different from what you're saying as well, though, is I wonder whether it would be different if a girl did it. Because I think for guys, they don't normally talk. I mean, we're, thankfully, thank God, 2021, we are getting to the point where guys can actually talk more about their feelings, you know, well-being and um, is a little bit more out there. So maybe that has a thing as well, right? That in terms of you being able to show that vulnerability, people can feel they can also do the same. Yeah, maybe. Uh, I just think, look, everyone's got their own you've got to look at LinkedIn like a room, right? That's how I look at it. I think you've got to look at before COVID, you could have a conference room full of people, right? You can't have that now, not for a long time in the UK anyway. And if even post COVID, the world's changed the way that we, the way that we do these things on podcasts, the way that we meet, the way that we engage has become way more digital. So I go, I always ask a question. If you could fill a room, with the very people that would make the most impact to your desk, your business, who would they be? Right. And most people can say this type of client, this type of candidate, I'd love mm-hmm. to have a room full of those people. I'm like mm-hmm. wicked. So then look at link, look at LinkedIn as if it's that room, right? How many of your LinkedIn connections are those people? And, and I always, yeah. people are flabbergasted when they check and they go, do a search. And they're like, probably 30%. I'm like wicked. Yeah. So, are yeah. you connecting with those people every day? No, I'm not. I'm like, well, how no. are you going to fill them? No, they're just connections. They're not, yeah. they're not living and breathing. Mm. And, then, and then I'm like, well, so how do we get them to know you? Well, the, what we do is we start releasing personal information and we start trying to help people. 
The next thing we do is valuable content. And that's taking those nuggets of information that we have every day that we, we know via the phone calls, the meetings, you know, those. And you're spreading it oh, more. You're spreading the yeah, word with a big yeah, fog it's, the, yeah. it's, it's, it's when you speak to that one candidate three times in, in a week and, and explain the same thing. And you're like, why don't I just put that on LinkedIn and yeah. share it? Yeah. It's going to be, <laughs> you know, um, I remember when I was a recruiter, I used to do this. I always had perm candidates wanting to come contract because they heard I was, I was a guy that could, could easily get you into contracting. And all it was, was I had a, a relationship with a payroll company and I researched in depth how you take how you set up your limited company and what tax deductions and things you can expect it was a, it was like an hour's research right but what happened was i would all the best con all the best permanent candidates eventually worked out that they could go contracting and double their income overnight um but then i positioned myself on, under the radar as this guy that could help you do it and it, it was a it was a it was a joke of a, a generator of candidates. Like I used to get people all the time on Sean, uh, like I was some payroll guy, and then I would I'm not, but I'm a recruiter that can help you get the job, and I can help this. And they're like, wow. But the funny thing was, I used to have this pitch, right? And I used to say the same spiel every time, and I, and I, my eyes used to roll back because like oh, I'm doing it again. And my team used to watch me and be like, yeah, hey, oh, another one. And I was like, yeah, another one. <laughs> Just put it on and, a video. Yeah. Yeah. Now, 2021. Yeah. I'd be releasing that constantly on LinkedIn and yeah. I would, you know, I wouldn't have to say it all. I'd just be able to, um, and then the credible stuff that I share and I've, this has all come from me, by the way, this is how I built Hoxo, you know, it's how I built all the revenue from doing this. So I've not gone to school to learn this. I've just learned it myself mm -hmm. from LinkedIn. Um, but the, the credible stuff is where you actually, you, you know, you stand by your performance and you, you talk about the wins, you tell stories of clients you've helped you, statistically talk about your performance and i always ask that i always ask that question how whenever you go to a client meeting and you try and pitch a customer do you refer to a previous client or an, a, a different client that has a similar a similar challenge or similar company and talk mm. about the successes you had with that yeah. business to secure that that win every time they say yes i'm like how often do you share that type of content on linkedin every time they say never yeah and i that, go that's, and that's, i say why yeah that really resonates with me. Oh, you've gone. And I say why, and they always say a little bit because it comes. You're back. You you're back. Me? Yeah, you're back. Yeah. I when, when, whenever I say why, they always say because it comes across bragging and big-headed. Yes, and it's not English. And it's just not English. Wolf of yeah. Wall Street. Yeah. But then, but then, all right. Ask the question when you're in the meeting and you and you talk about your experience with someone else. Do you come across big-headed, bragging, arrogant? Oh no, 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 no. no. No, it comes across like genuine and authentic. I think it's you know? the way you do it right. I mean, I do see some posts and I think, oh God, it's so obvious what you're trying to do. But I see some that are quite well put together. But you talked about LinkedIn quite a bit. I'm really keen to know what are the differences with like the different channels? Like, I know not Facebook out here, not we wouldn't ever use that from a um, professional perspective. But how do you sort of view, you know, like the Instagram, for instance, in terms of an individual recruiter building a brand there? Waste of time. Absolute waste of time. In what way? The platform's not built for it. It's a completely different platform. You can't search by people's job titles. You don't know, you yeah. don't have any access to like in terms of investment, wait it's a waste of time for recruiters to have an investment. Instagram's yeah, okay. a place for beautiful people and quotes and stats and very visual yeah. things, right? Yeah. If you if you're in the property game and you've got amazing high rise flats or something, get on Instagram. Yeah. Yeah. So it's more the, just the images. So where do you think link where do you think sort of LinkedIn is like what are the kind of social media trends at the moment like what's on trend at the moment just for people to know on trend is LinkedIn and now the clubhouse which has just come through about three or four weeks ago which is oh my going god to... that sounds like a nightclub what's clubhouse so clubhouse is a new app which is an invite only app it's got about five million users around the world and it's growing like wildfire and you effectively you have, it's a basically like a podcast so you, you you can basically create it's audio only. And you can create mm -hmm. rooms. So I can host a room now called Personal Branding Asia with you mm -hmm. on it. And mm -hmm. anyone on the app can just come in and listen. And they can basically ask us questions. They can join well, the live. The, the, so it's just live. Live. Is, is it yeah, all so live? live? All live. So if I go on the Clubhouse app now, you can see this app. These are live rooms. And if I just click on one room, let's just... 
play it. This dog to a to a to a, to a human being in the treatment of it, and like it's just that that disconnection is something. Oh, you just, that's so bizarre. So basically, it's like jumping in on someone's Zoom meeting. It's exactly oh. that. It's exactly that. But what what's happening is like a list celebrities, billionaires are in conversations with Joe Public right now. Like everyone's just mixing and it's just insane. Oh my God, I love it. I think it's a bit hectic and chaotic, but I'm loving how they've taken kind of how, oh God, it's a mixture of things, well, isn't it? Well, the thing, is, the thing is about even LinkedIn now, like Instagram is massively about your appearance. LinkedIn yes. even now, even LinkedIn, because of your profile picture and the way some people, it's all about how on video, it's like, you know, their looks, their aesthetics, their appearance. Yeah, I hate, that's is, why I hate doing videos. I hate it because I always look about 90 years old and really fat and horrible. So I hate doing videos, but I think they are the most effective because when I see someone doing a video, I loved because I'm just nosy. So I love to watch it. But yeah, I think most I think people really, are pretty I, nervous I, I to get, in, really get behind it. I think they're really effective, but I actually think audio is the number one right now for engagement yeah? because... Yeah, because audio is, it's not, you know, it, it levels the playing field. So everyone is about their voice. It's not about the way you look. That's it's true. not about how you come across. That's true. Um, and also you can do it on the go. So you can be yeah, walking. Yeah, you can go street, for a run. You can and, at the gym. Yeah. You can walk with a dog. You can't watch a video whilst running through town. Well, I've seen people do that here, but yeah. Um, it, yeah so anymore. audio, so, so what you're, so that's, that's really interesting. Because I'm, I'm obviously seeing, on, I'm doing it for my business, the audiograms, you know, instead of doing a video and having to faff around with subtitles and do all that kind of stuff, doing the audiograms, which you take certain parts and you're still getting that message out. So that seems to be kind of another way of displaying, the, you know, that people the, the, the truth at. is, there's so many things you could do. And I, my business is all about going, forget it all. Let's work out what are the most absolutely vital um leverage points you can use through content to do your job better all right there's no use in being the most famous guy on linkedin if you're a shit recruiter at the back end right that's the <laughs> bit that makes me laugh some people have got amazing brands they make no money out of it right that's that is literally so my business is about about giving good recruiters a content journey that allows them to mm. do even better and 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 it allows them we have an academy program where we will train your whole business in eight weeks on, on the basics, the fundamentals of building a personal brand. And is that so online? Everything. Is that online? Fun. I host it live on Zoom and I also mm -hmm. have an e-learning academy where you can watch it all, you know, at your right. leisure. Right. Um, I think that's what my likes of people on. in, yeah. you know, there's people from RP International and Connexus Global and people in yeah, Asia. Yeah, no, Dominic did it. it. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's, that's the post is... I was talking about. Dominic's post with the Queen's Gambit, I thought was a great one. Dominic. Yeah. Dominic's a legend and I remember his personal post on his bike where he got his guns out and he's got these ridiculous Yeah, actually I asked him to go on the podcast after I saw that picture. Yeah, <laughs> so it's definitely Dom, effective. Dom, put those weapons away. Um, but, I know, brilliant. But, but in, in eight weeks, I'm able to give people the, the formula that I live by. They've got to do the work. It's a, it's a coaching program, but you know, mm. I've coached over 700 recruiters um, in 2020. And now we've got 3000 recruiters currently going through the program around the world. So That's amazing. the results Love have it. been insane. Some people have had like over a million views in one single post. Um, one guy made hundred thousand in fees from content. Um, it's not cheap though, is it? Can I be, can I, can, I looked at your website. <laughs> can you, are you transparent? Can you be transparent about the costs on that? Because I know from an organizational perspective, it will be peanuts. But let's just say there's an individual recruiter. We're not selling that... it to individuals. Yeah, We're not okay, selling it right, either. fine. It's, That's an, it's, a, it's a business. Yeah. It's not a, it's a one-off recruiter to buy yeah. it. It's a business product. So, um, so an organisation would, so a recruitment firm would put five, ten of their people on it and go. You through can put the as many at the moment. They can put unlimited amount of people on it for the first fifty customers of 2021. So for the price, I'm okay. not. The price is. It, we, well, it, it, it's seven and a half thousand pounds UK is the is the price, but we've got clients that are paying, you know, putting a 200, 300, 400 people through it. Um, some people are putting 10 people through it. But when you're thinking, we give you 12 months of training, so mm -hmm. eight weeks with me, but you can watch it back and, and there's community and there's live videos and things I'm yeah. running all for 12 months across, oh, spread across your whole business. Yeah, I, th I think, yeah, I think it's really useful because a lot, a lot of people, I mean, I think most people really don't know where to start, like really don't know where to start. And no. also I think for recruiters, they're so busy. They really don't have the time to be thinking of stuff like that. And I think there's points where you just have to go, look, it's not my bag. Can, mm. You know, if I can get help on that, that would be fantastic. I can learn some tools or skills on how to do it. But, you know, you can't expect someone to be in that space and know, know the what revenue, they're doing. 
the revenue uplift that people are seeing is insane. Um, they're doing their job. They're doing more. They're enjoying it. You know, they're, they're, they're getting more leads. I, I've got a formula where I, I can guarantee you're going to get, you're going to get more conversation, you're going to get more leads. Like it happens, it works every time. Um, and then the, the agency, the Hoxo Media Agency then is a, is a, where we will work with your business to, to run campaigns. So that's where we physically come up with the ideas. We cre- we create the content and then we, we distribute it through different channels. So things like, uh, you know, okay. paid. and we'll also, you know, we'll host virtual events. We launch podcasts. We've launched about 50 podcasts in the last 12 months. for different, yeah. different Awesome. Um, I want to ask you a question. I want to ask you a question when you're saying about that, that whole creative side of it. So when you're creating your own content, do you see yourself as a creative person or do you kind of leverage off other people? Like, because I think when it comes to social media, I really, I, I, for me, it looks as though it, it, it does take a lot of creativity. No, I think, I think there's a way everyone can be creative and that's what I've worked out as part of my academy. Okay. So, um, you know, I'll, 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 go, I'll go into depth. Mm. No, it, it starts with yourself. So you know the answers to, if I ask you a question now, um, tell me a time when, you'll yeah. know the answer, all right? Mm. So give me an example of, you know, the, the, the worst placement that you've ever made and why, right? That yeah. turns into a story that becomes Gosh, a really yes. yes, I can absolutely so, remember the, the yeah. yes, so definitely. <laughs> the, the, the best content creators talk about what they know. They don't talk about things they don't know, right? Okay. If you're stuck there trying to work shit out, you're wasting your time, right? <laughs> stick to who you are, stick to your life experience, stick to your performance and just put sto- like people buy into stories, right? Rather than just putting like, I've done this, I've done that. Tell a story about whatever you've done. Share the highs, share the lows, be vulnerable. You don't always have to be the best at everything. People buy into yeah. people. But yeah, if you- so that's, that's the thing, Sean. I'd be interested to see, I mean, and this doesn't have to, be, you have to be conveying that now, in Asia, there is, you don't really see an awful lot of that. I think that the posts that I've seen of the guys that you've been, that are your clients, they're expats. And those kind of posts are, well, I, I'll be honest, I haven't seen a lot of those within Asia. And I don't, you know, it, it, they are more formal. It's more of a kind of, um, oh, this happened to me today. And I'm so grateful for my company. Give me this promotion. And it's all quite kind of vanilla. standard. It's quite, it's quite boring, actually. Vanilla, yeah. So, yeah, very so, vanilla. So it's, it's going to be interesting with whether, so how that's that, going to shift in, in the future with the work that, that you're doing. Doesn't that mean there's people who've got a bigger opportunity, stand out even more? Yeah, like the whole, no, absolutely. Everyone, what we're all seeking is attention, right? The reason you're doing this podcast is so that people are listening to your show. So you're yeah. getting time with people, right? Yeah. The reason I'm on this show is to get attention right now. The reason yeah. recruiters pick up the phone is to get attention every mm-hmm. single time. So to get attention, don't do what everyone else is doing. Do what you do. Be, break the norm. Be different, right? When yeah. I first burst onto yeah. the scene in 2017, People were like, who is this chippy gray-haired mank who doesn't shut up on LinkedIn? But I, you know, once they figured out, actually, he knows his stuff and they listened, but I got attention quickly. I, I was yeah. disruptive. Yeah. I was different. And that's so what is that I'm, what led I'm, you to do the podcast? Because, I mean, for, for listeners out there that aren't familiar, Sean has um, a podcast called The Rag Podcast, The right? Rag Podcast, yeah. Um, which is sponsored by Vincere as well. So what was, when did you launch that? What, what, January no, was that? 2019. Okay, Two so... Years. That was a couple of years into doing Hoxo Media. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. So I, I started it in 2019. Um, I realized, that po- I mean, I was, love- I was a lover of podcasts. I just built myself a podcast studio in my office at the time. I don't even have an office now as I'm working from home. Um, but uh, I built a studio and I realized that, you know, there was, there was a lot of podcasts out there in recruitment. There's already about four or five and they were all very much around launching, being a recruiter. And mm. I, I'll be honest, I didn't want to talk about that. I wanted to talk about, I wanted to find out based on a lack of education when I want, when I was launching Hoxo, I wanted information from recruitment owners about how they've done what they've done. And mm. I couldn't find it. I wanted to, I would love to have had time with the best recruitment companies around the world because you get very institutionalized in your own agency yeah. and you only learn yeah. from that one brand. Yeah, absolutely. So, if I'd have had more other recruitment companies I could have met and spoke to, I would probably had, probably would have started it. So, I'd have started it sooner. I'd have been more successful. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, I, and that was something I craved. And when it came to 2019, I was like, this, this still doesn't exist. So my first thing was, I want to release that content. I want to interview the best, fastest growing, most innovative, most modern recruitment company owners, find out how they're doing it and just have a really honest what's and all conversation about it. So I started that one episode a week in 2019. 
we got like a thousand oh, downloads in the first month. Week. Did you? Yeah. Did you? Yeah, was, wow. And then that went really well. We got to about 6,000 monthly listeners by April 2020 and then COVID hit. And I realized when COVID hit that the world was just so unsure of where we were heading. Yeah. So I was like, yeah. I went daily with it. I said, I'm going to go daily, which is insane. So I, Jeez, that is I, really insane. Yeah. So in the first pandemic- Did you edit it I, as well? Or did you just go, was it just raw audio? No, I, yeah, I don't edit. I, it's just chop the front of the end off. And there might be the <laughs> odd thing we, I've got an editor, but we don't, I mean, it's just a raw chat. So I went daily in 2020 in lockdown and I went from seven to about 15,000 listeners in about four months. That does, um, th that's and amazing and well done. That doesn't, that yeah, doesn't surprise you. me because I think, I mean, I certainly didn't have those numbers. <laughs> in Asia but they certainly there were more people listening because the more people are at home yeah. right and I think so what were you exactly. offering that was different then in terms of like you know was it just a little bit more um were you interviewing people within the UK or was it just completely global, no, global. like what were you I went doing global so when I went daily I went I, I just said I, somebody needs to pull the industry together and go right how are we going to get through this so like yeah. you know I interviewed Greg Savage on the second day Ryan Audrey James Osborne I got NEDs on. I got investors on. I got David Higgins who launched Harvey Nash. Yeah, I went. I, I went I to. I went one. to. Yeah. I went to big people. I went to people. I went to people that were having maybe conversations with five, ten of their clients, and said, "Let's help the, the global industry get through this." Yeah. Um, so every day, and then I'd speak to recruitment owners that were panicking and and you know trying to mm. have a live chat about what was fucking going wrong, and then others that were super confident that we get out of it and then i'd speak to people in china and dubai and singapore and the us and i, I just try to daily give recruitment owners something to listen to that might perk them up and give them yeah. that bit of motivation yeah yeah i did um, someone resiliency i did sort of resiliency and stuff like that one one we had with craig brewer that um he'd basically beaten stage four cancer and it was all just trying to put wow. it into perspective of um, how people can get through pretty tough times and just sort of mm. some strategies around that. But I, I think every, you know, that, I mean, you're obviously going through that now. How are you finding with the podcast now? Because obviously you're in UK, there's a lockdown. Is that the, the same kind of model that you're using that you're finding is working? Or no, you do that quite no. differently? Like what's happening? Yeah, yeah. So the first lockdown, it was interesting. We, you know, we did that for about three months and it burnt me out. Like I was drained. Yeah, I God was, almighty. You, know, you must be bloody trying to run a business. I'm yeah. trying to run a business. I just launched the Hoxo Academy of the personal brand coaching. I'm daily podcasting. You know, I was really struggling with life. Um, so I stopped that in the summer and then I went back to once a week. And then when we went into our next lockdown in December, uh, me and Pete Watson, who's in Australia, the rector, who yes, works. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He works for Hoxo as well now on the ground in Australia. Um, so we co-hosted a, a weekly show live on LinkedIn um, twice weekly where we talked to, well, once with him, once on my own, where I spoke to recruitment owners in the UK and then the recruitment owners in Australia. Yeah. Because Australia, they had the harshest lockdown in the world, seven yeah. months. Yeah. So it was, we, I was trying to get learnings from Australia back to the UK. What I found was people are a bit bored of it in the UK now. We're just a bit sick of hearing about like all the news is COVID. And, yeah, boring. You know, yeah. We've, we've got furlough schemes. We've got working from yeah. home. We're not... Um, that, that initial fear of Fuck, what we're going to do is gone. So to yeah. talk about it all day did, actually didn't really excite people, I don't think. So right. I've come back this year and now I'm on a mission to interview the most forward-thinking brands in the world. So it's all okay. about the future. I'm, I'm actually going, let's forget COVID and let's talk, let's talk about post-COVID. Like where is the Yeah, more futuristic. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So my original show was all about the past. How did you grow your company? Then it was about the present. How do we get through this shit? Now yeah. it's about the future. Um, yeah. Like I just interviewed last week, James Brown, who's launched the Levin Group, which is the fastest growing recruitment company in the world mm. now. Um, Ex-Faden International just brought the owner ah. of Faden in. Um, they're going to be... What did you just say then? What was the last bit you just said? So the, the owner... He, he was the seventh hire at Faden under Adam Book. Adam Book's yeah. now coming as chairman of the bit of the group. Um, they're taking people from Faden. They're at 70 headcount in 18 months. They'll be they're hiring 130 grads in the next 90 days in lockdown. And they're growing. They're launching Singapore, the US, Amsterdam right now. And they're gonna have 300 recruiters by the time they're two years old. Like there's wow, no one awesome. on the planet. So I when's that them. one get when, when, when is that podcast coming out? It's already live. It went live last week. Okay, so cool. Awesome. Go and listen to it on my show, The Rag yeah, Podcast. Yeah, I will. 
Apple, when you said when you said uh, and we might have to edit this one out when you said ex fading people i looked at someone on linkedin that i listened to one of your podcasts of one of your guests and that person wasn't there anymore is that because that person's going to go and work for that group probably yeah yeah claire right. cooper she's yeah done, yeah she's i'm interviewing her next month about she said yeah she's i dropped her linkedin to say i really loved her podcast i just said I, it was really really yeah. good and she said she was coming back on it again so she's coming back on it to say she's at this, this storm place. three now so they've there's storm two storm three and storm four which are the new brands which is just it's just it's just a great brand it's really exciting like i've had i've had so many messages after interviewing james because he's bonkers but in an amazing way like the yeah, guy is cool. literally he's doing he's doing everything you wouldn't do in a lockdown he's hiring graduates who are being trained remotely at a pace that most companies couldn't even imagine um in brands that don't exist it's insane but it's exciting he's got back, i'm gonna listen to that got, sounds great financial backing and he's, he's killing it so love it yeah the, so the podcast has been brilliant um it's a weekly show tune in um one thing i'm also doing at the moment which your listeners might be in especially the expat community like in the yeah. uk now we're we're, we're we're at a point in the uk where the you know lockdown there is no end to this right now there's no there's no understanding of when it's going to end and there's over 1.4 million children in the uk right now with no access to a to a technology device but they're what oh. homeschooling is required so there's families yeah. across the uk where kids are not learning they're sat at home they're under yeah. pressure parents are panicking and two of my customers rang me up within the same 24 hours to say sean like is there anything we could do like with your network could mm -hmm. we raise some kind of money for this and as being an ex-school teacher as well you know, I've seen kids when they don't have the backing of their parents yeah. and how hard yeah. it is yeah. without the school as well. It's, I'm, I'm, it just makes yeah, me it's feel crumbly. Yeah. So, really hard. so we launched, so last week we launched Project 500, which is an mm -hmm. initiative, um, a UK initiative to raise £80,000 in February to get 500 brand new laptops for 500 children. So we've got a technology it. deal with, it's £160 a laptop, um, a brand new Asus device with the Google Classroom and Windows 10 on it. And we've got 500 secured, right? So we need to raise 80,000. In one week, we've raised 27,000 pounds from the recruitment that's community. That's amazing. And uh, so that's 150, 160 laptops been purchased that will be going out next week. That is awesome. Um, Can you send me all the details on that for a link? Because when, I mean, yeah. it, when's the cutoff yeah, so date for that? When's the cutoff? No, I mean, look, it's February is when we're trying to do it, but it'll be running ongoing. So we've got, um, okay. it's www www.project500athoxomedia.com just go to Thank that you. link project right. project 500 at hoxomedia.com watch the video click the link donate even if you give a five or a ten or whatever yeah, no but, i'll do that i'll um, do that it'll make a huge difference and no, if you're I think listeners i think that's you know, wonderful i think that's really nice it, it will make a big difference and it will certainly put a load of pressure off the parents as well because i think it's even hard on them i am going to ask you a couple of yeah. um you've been awesome by the way i feel like i've learned loads <laughs> in terms of my own brand um rapid fire round Last, two questions that's it and i say it every single time because it's never Go five on. minutes but okay let's kick off what was the last podcast or book that you listened to and don't say your own um that you'd recommend to listeners oh yeah there's um there's a guy called alex hormozy i'm obsessed with right now okay so he owns a podcast called the game and what how do you spell he, his surname his latest podcast Hormozi, uh, H-O-R-M-O-Z-I. Thank you. And he's got episode 276, CEO to Investor. And it, to me, it was like 26, it was, it was 26 minutes or something, or 15 minutes. Incredible. And it, what, what it was about was, was it? When, we're in, when we're leading businesses, we, we need to look more like an investor in like stock shares, right? So if you buy, if, you, if you're a Warren Buffett of this world, you don't, but you don't invest in a Fortune 500 stock fund to track the daily trade. You, you do it to bank on five years' time that investment's going to grow at an exponential rate, right? The compounding growth. Mm -hmm. um, and you're in it for that long investment. So you, you keep an eye on the daily activity, but you don't, you don't live and die by it. Mm -hmm. Whereas when we run our business, often we're so ingrained on that day-to-day -day performance of data and people that we, we get really erratic with our decisions. We don't leave things long enough. To mm. get to the point where you know as an investor so basically what he's saying is is stretch out your timelines of, of when things how things need to be successful so for example marketing is the best example of that most people buy marketing and they want to see a return in the first couple of weeks and you're like 
I've been plugging away at this shit for four years no. and I'm still nowhere yeah. near Where's where trust? I, I think right? with Look marketing and content, it's trust, yeah. isn't it? You've got to build trust with your, with your, you know, listeners or whatever you want to call them. You've got to engage with them. It's not going to, you can't accelerate that, can you, so much? 100%. And, but, but if you look at your business like an investor who's, you know, you know you, you've got your eye on the daily trades, but you're really interested mm. in that long-term compound mm. uh, effect, you'll, you'll win. I love it. Last one. What was what one thing must a recruiter avoid doing on social media other than obviously pulling their pants down and taking a picture of themselves? Obviously. Oh, yeah. Don't do that. Uh, I think saying something that you wouldn't be prepared to back up in real life. So okay. I know I know a lot of people that I wouldn't follow based on the fact that they they, they put shit out that they know is going to get engagement. But they're doing it just for engagement. I don't agree with it, right? Oh, so, is that the one-liners where someone just say, someone says something really controversial, dot, 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 yeah, just it, so you look I mean, at it? I think Bloody being way. controversial is smart. I do it. I think it's clever, but it's only do it if you can back it up, if you genuinely believe it, because it will backfire and only yeah. look like someone. But I know one guy who had a go at, he, got, he tried to be engaging. He, he had a go at this theme and it, he's like, I didn't even believe it. I just knew it again. And anyway, it backfired. He got like, it went viral and everyone in his market thinks he's a dick. And I was like, you sh No. I was like, I didn't advise it. So my advice is be controversial, put yourself out there, have an opinion, but only if you, if someone phoned you or you sat in a meeting, would you be prepared to back it up? Right. That's it. Good advice. Love it. You have been awesome. Thank you so much for your time. Um, can't wait to listen to the other podcasts. Everyone listening, please just make sure that you, um, if you have some dollars to spare and you feel that you want to give back to um, some kids in the UK, please look at the show notes and you'll find that there. So thanks again. It was awesome having you on the show and hopefully, fingers crossed, the lockdown won't be for too much longer. Yeah, I hope so. And if anyone who's listening wants to reach out, just connect with me on LinkedIn, drop me a note, or we can catch up. Perfect. Thanks so much. You have been listening to Talent Talk Asia podcast by The Career Establishment. To learn more about The Career Establishment, our people and our latest thinking, visit us at www.thecareerestablishment.com or find us on LinkedIn, Twitter and Facebook.